Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of What Does the Bible Say About? Today we're going to be looking at the question, what does the Bible say about what you are saved from? What are you saved from in the gospel? Now, this is a very important question. Very often in uh, the church today, in the evangelical world, terms get thrown out like, you know, I'm saved uh, or I have been saved. Very often, though, those terms are used without actually saying explicitly what someone is saved from. And so this is a very important question. When we say that Jesus has saved us, what, in fact, has Jesus saved us from? Now, in, act, in answering this question, it's very important that we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the story. There's something that's very important for us to keep uh, in mind with uh, any story that we read or anything uh, that has some kind of narrative flow to it. Uh, the, the problem is usually introduced near the beginning, and it's the problem that's introduced at the beginning that always needs to be resolved. And so this would, of course, be the problem of the fall. So God creates uh, all of the world in Genesis chapter 1. There's a focusing in on the creation of man and placing him in the garden in Genesis chapter 2 and in the institution of marriage. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we have the record of the fall. And so if we were to say then, what are we saved from? We are basically saved from everything that came about as a result of the fall. Now these can be placed under three headings. That would, and these would be sin, death, and Satan himself. And as we'll see as we go through all these, all of them are interconnected and related, such that to be saved from any one of them implies salvation from the other two uh, as well. So most basically, sin. Sin is the thing that we have been saved from. Uh, when Adam and Eve uh, took the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate of it, they sinned against God, and in so doing, they brought sin and death into the world. They became in this way enslaved to Satan. There we have all three of these themes uh, being brought together in one uh, but they sinned against God. Sin came into the world, as uh, Paul says in Romans 5, and death through sin. And uh, because of this, then, we, we have this great need to be saved. And Jesus, as the scriptures say in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, uh, Jesus came, and he is named Jesus because he saves his people from their sin. So that's the very first thing that we're saved from in the gospel. We are saved from sin. Now, the way in which we're saved from sin is in a variety of ways. Basically, um, every single effect of sin must be removed in order for us to be saved. The first effect of sin is, or the first aspect of sin that we must be saved from, is judicial. With sin came a judicial sentence of being guilty of sin. Now, this is, uh, we are saved from sin in this regard, from the judicial nature of sin, by our justification. Anyone who confesses their sins and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ by that faith uh, with Christ's righteousness as a basis for it is forgiven of their sins and they are counted as righteous in God's sight such that then the, the guilty verdict of sin is undone. There is no longer this negative effect of sin. There is no longer any guilt for sin. Now, the second way in which we are saved from sin in the scriptures is that we are saved from the power of sin sin is defeated in our lives such that not only is there a judicial sentence in our past in our favor, but also God grants us a new heart 
so that we would actually grow in righteousness, so that we would begin more and more to uh, resemble the, the sentence that was given to us, the, the uh, commendation of being righteous by God himself. And ultimately, ultimately, this will be perfected when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, when sin will be fully and finally destroyed in our lives, and there will be no longer any ability for us to sin. And at this point, then, there will be an, an open declaration of us as being the sons of God by our resurrection uh, from the dead, and that we will be perfectly righteous in this way, in the sense of no longer being uh, able to sin, and uh, having the realization, the open vindication of the sentence of, uh, of righteousness given to us, the God's judicial sentence uh, in our favor. And so this is what the, what the scriptures mean when we are saved from sin. It's probably the most basic thing that we can say in terms of what we're saved from. Now, if we're going to be saved from sin, then we must also be saved from death. We must be saved from death. And this is actually uh, the great emphasis in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. The threat in Genesis chapter 2 is, in the day that you eat of the fruit, you will die. You will die. There is a judicial sentence that goes along with the sin of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from the fruit of that tree, then you must die. And this is, if we just continue on with this, the law court metaphor, uh, when there is a crime committed, there is a punishment that goes along with that particular crime. Well, the punishment for the crime, the sin that was committed, is death itself. And the fact that all mankind is mortal and dies, returns to the dust, is evidence that this judicial sentence in some ways is still being uh, applied to us. And this is why, in order for uh, us to be fully saved from our sins, we must also be saved from anything related to the judicial sentence of sin itself, which means eternal life must be a part of salvation. You must be saved from death itself. Death is the sentence for sin. It's judicial. And because it's judicial, it must be reversed if you are to be saved fully from sin. So death is the second thing that must be destroyed in what you are saved from. You are saved from death in the gospel. Now, this is a wonderful thing to contemplate and think of. You know, death is something none of us can avoid. Uh, it can be scary to think about uh, the end of our lives um, it's a veil, the scriptures describe it as a veil that covers all the people. And yet here in the gospel, Jesus Christ offers life by his own resurrection from the dead. He was resurrected from the dead. Adam received the condemnation of death. Christ, though, for our justification, receives life by his resurrection from the dead and offers that to all who are in him. Now, the third aspect of uh, our salvation, the third thing we're saved from, so to speak, and it's all related again, is Satan himself. Now, remember in Genesis chapter 3, it's Satan is the who is the one who tempts Adam and Eve to sin. After they sin, Satan becomes the great accuser of the brethren, as it says in Revelation chapter 12. You see him accusing uh, Job, for instance, in Job chapters 1 and 2. Uh, Satan is clearly against uh, mankind whom God has created in his image. And it would not be a sufficient salvation if at the end we are saved from sin fully, we are saved from the, from the judicial sentence of sin, and yet there is still the presence of one who can accuse us before God, and there is the presence of one who also in the scriptures is called the tempter, who can tempt God's people away into, into, to fall into sin. Uh, and uh, even in other places, you know, the scriptures describe those who are a, who live in sin, who sin, they are slaves to sin, and they are under the power of the evil one. Well, his power must be broken. His ability to accuse us must be destroyed. His ability to tempt must be destroyed 
as well. And it's only insofar as Satan then is gone completely uh, that we can live safely and securely, as the scriptures say, uh, describing the Messianic age, each one living under his fig tree with none to make him afraid, uh, none to, to terrify him. Uh, and so this is uh, the third thing that we are saved from. We must also be saved from the one who causes sin and who accuses of sin, namely Satan himself. And so the picture then of what comes to you in the gospel by faith is this. Everything related to sin is gone. Your guilt is gone before God. God gives you a new heart so that you begin to live a righteous life. Ultimately, that will be, be culminated in a perfect sinlessness on the day that Christ returns. You will be given eternal life, whereby the, the, the death that entered the world through sin is undone. And ultimately, Satan himself will be defeated, such that then there is there will be simply no enemy, no enemy to cause you uh, any kind of worry or trouble. There will be no possibility of you uh, falling again because all of the enemies of God and of his people will have been defeated. This is the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what you are saved from if you're a Christian, and there are wonderful things to meditate on. And so I hope you have found this helpful. Please tune in uh, next week as we discuss another question on our series, What Does the Bible Say About? Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast as it will help out our uh, podcast channel and make the teachings of the Word of God more widely available. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find out more at our website at newcovopcssf.com. That's N-E-W-C-O-V-O-P-C-S-S-F.com. -S